Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Fight Night with Adam Catterall on Talk Sport. Uh, good evening. Welcome to Fight Night Live with me, Adam Catterall. On TalkSport, your home for boxing. It's April the 7th. There's lots to get through. David Price is going to be joining us very, very shortly to discuss last weekend in Cardiff. Uh, we're also going to be catching up with Billy Joe Saunders, who's also going to shed a little bit more light on everything that's going on with him, Martin Murray, and him, and Triple G. Is there a potential of uh, a unification, an undisputed champion in the middleweight division. Hopefully Billy will shed a little bit of light on that later on in the show. Uh, we're going to be talking to Nicola Adams as well, ahead of her announcement last week that she's going to be on the Selby Warrington undercard at Ellen Road in Leeds. A fantastic stadium sellout. We're being blessed at this moment in time, aren't we, with stadium fights here in the UK. Uh, Nicola Adams on that card, and she's going to be on the show a little later on. Yeah, she currently resides in the United States of America, where my normal co-host, Gareth A. Davis, is out there at this moment in time. He's going to be joining us from stateside uh, to talk James DeGale, who's fighting in the early hours of the morning, uh, trying to regain his IBF middle, uh, super middleweight crown against Caleb Trucks, the man that took him off him. So therefore, in the studio alongside me is the one and only uh, man from the award-winning Fight Disciples podcast, former editor-in-chief of uh, Fighters Only magazine. It is, of course, Nick Pete, who is uh, still walking on, uh, on a cloud at this moment in time because those that don't know, Nick is a, a Liverpool season ticket holder and he was there Wednesday night at Anfield to witness his side do a, a number on the, uh, on the champions' elects. I thought we might be talking about them being champions tonight, uh, but they bottled it as well yeah. uh, a little bit earlier. Sure so we've got to wait maybe till next week and I'm sure Spurs will have something to say on that and I've no doubt that you're going to uh, have something to say in the middle of the week as well as a Liverpool fan uh, with their progression in the Champions League, mate. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, uh, let's not talk about the Merseyside derby. Because nah, no it was point. rubbish. There's it was absolutely, absolutely no rubbish. Point absolutely. Because uh, we certainly peaked midweek. And uh, it's on City now, isn't it, mm. to come out on Tuesday night? Let's see what they can do. Mm. Anyway, not football uh, for the next two hours. It's all about fight sports and there's a lot to get through. If you want to get involved in anything that we are talking about over the next two hours, you're more than welcome to do so. I think the easiest way is just via Twitter. So at Adam Catterall on Twitter, at Adam Catterall, just ping us a message on there. If there's anything that pops up, whether it's with Pricey, Billy Joe Saunders, Nicola Adams, James DeGale, or even uh, the main man in the UFC, Conor McGregor. At this moment in time, he's grabbing. We've got to talk Conor. At some of course, stage, we're talking Conor McGregor. We will be doing that, and if you want to have your say on that, you're welcome to do so over the next couple of hours. All right, at Adam Catterall on Twitter, ping them our way. Here are the big three headlines from this week in fight sports. I think number one, we have to start, of course, uh, with uh, Sal Alvarez. Um, Known, of course, as uh, Canelo. Mm-hmm. That's his nickname. Means cinnamon. cinnamon. This is his haircut. Um, check this out. Canelo withdraws from the Triple G fight on May the 5th. That's basically like Alan Pardew telling us in the middle of the week that he's left by mutual consent. No, he hasn't. He's been sacked. Someone's had a word in Canelo's ear saying, listen, son, we're going to have to do something at some point. Now, you can go 
uh, and, and save a little bit of face. Or you can wait till April 18th when we're going to be doing our uh, hearing and you can have a little bit of egg on your face. That's how I'm reading into that. Now, hopefully, Nicholas, mm-hmm. hopefully, for anybody that's listened to me and you do pre- shows in the past, hopefully, this is not the end of the matter. I know that Canelo's re- withdrawn from the fight on May the 5th, but uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission have a duty now uh, to us as fight fans, to the world of boxing, to trick the book at him. This yep. is not the end of the matter. Don't sweep it under the carpet. Nope. Two, listen, two test failures for me. That means he's got to be a full investigation. Hopefully, there will be a suspension. And listen, we're cutting our nose to spite our face. We all wanted to see Canelo Triple G two. Don't get me wrong. We all wanted to see justice done because we were robbed of a fair decision last time by a poor judge. But unfortunately, if someone's cheating, if someone is taking an advantage in this sport, especially in fight sports, they've got to be found guilty and they've got to be prosecuted. Regardless of how much money they make the state of Nevada. All right, that's where we're at. Uh, A little later on in the show, I've no doubt with Billy Joe Saunders, we'll be talking about potential replacements for Triple G on May the 5th. And there's a couple of names that have been chucked into the hat. All right, so the big headline, number one this week, Canelo withdrawing from his fight, which we told you about three weeks ago that it would happen anyway, on May the 5th with Triple G. Here's number two. Uh, we are switching codes. We are going out of the boxing ring. We're not even going into the octagon. We're going into a car park is where we're going at this moment in time. <laughs> a bus depot. We're going into a bus depot uh, where uh, Conor McGregor has uh, probably seen the most amount of action that he's had uh, since uh, August of last year in the boxing ring. And since Mayweather. For 500 days in the world of UFC. We've not seen him in the octagon since that Eddie Alvarez fight, of course. Uh, Conor McGregor um, posted $50,000 in bail money. His next hearing uh, will be on June the 14th to answer to three counts of misdemeanor assault and one count of criminal mischief, which I love that. It's like a Dennis the Menace film, isn't it? <laughs> criminal mischief. What is that all about? Um, the big question to you, Nick, being the former editor of uh, Fighters Only magazine, a man that has followed mixed martial arts for a good 15 years of your life, mm-hmm. does this tarnish the McGregor brand? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by tarnish? You mean he's got a few less people, you know, with posters on the walls? Maybe. But in terms of monetary value and his marketability and his ability to make millions and millions of dollars in pay-per-view revenue? Absolutely mm. not. Absolutely not. For me, all it does is it gives the UFC and EA Sports, the maker of the UFC game, the perfect bonus round for next year's game. That's it. Do you remember in Street Fighter 2? Take it to the parking Ken lot. used to beat up the car. <laughs> so in this one, in the bonus round, Conor McGregor beats up a bus. Mm. I think... Well, if you listen to this for the first time, you're thinking these two are making light of this. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be laughing and joking about something that happened uh, this week with Conor McGregor, and obviously he's facing criminal charges and all this type of stuff. Yes, okay, right. But this is the fight game. This is fight sports. I know that if a golfer had done this, then yeah, he might be out of character. But these are guys that walk into a cage, lock the door behind them, and then aim to knock the other dude out. At some some point in their life, it might overspill. It might overspill into what we class as the real world. And that is what has happened this week with Conor McGregor. I kind of want to give a little bit of context. I'm not condoning him chucking dollies and bins at, uh, at the buses and busting windows and damaging people and obviously now answering criminal charges and all that type of stuff. Uh, but what I will say is that this is a man that got on his private jet in Ireland to fly halfway across the world to defend one of his mates who was picked on earlier on in the week by a gang of lads. I'm all right with that. <laughs> To an extent. To an extent, I'm all right with that. That's the type of mate that I want in my corner. He's flown all the way around the world to say, hang on a minute, you're not picking on my mate. This is going off. It wasn't a good week in sport if you're a bus, was it? Let's be honest with you. No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Here's number three from the big week of fight sports. 
Uh, now, last weekend, you will have heard us broadcasting live from uh, Cardiff at the Principality Stadium for uh, Anthony Joshua versus Joseph Parker. Anthony Joshua unifying the division. Uh, congratulations to him. But the heavyweight landscape, at the end of that night, I kind of thought we, we knew what path we were taking. I have a bit of a sleep. And then the next thing I know, that the WBA are getting involved and starting to issue mandatories already towards Anthony Joshua, rather than just letting the land lie a little bit. Let's let the land lie. Let's have a discussion and see if we can make an undisputed champion. Hang on a minute. No. They've always got to get their politics involved to start throwing spanners into the work. So the WBA this week have ordered Alexander Povetkin uh, versus Anthony Joshua. I think we've got about 30 days to come to some type of agreement with that. Uh, the IBF, by the way, have also ordered Kubrat Pulev uh, to face Dillian White in a final eliminator for Anthony Joshua's IBF belt. Uh, the only thing that can supersede all of that is obviously a unification uh, for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world with Deontay Wilder because he's got another championship belt. Yep. Uh, but with that then in mind, time's ticking. We've got to get rid of egos here, haven't we, if we want to see Anthony Joshua, uh, Deontay Wilder next, yep. haven't we? Absolutely. And you know what? I think we're still not going to see it next. I think there's still some marketing to go with it. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, if he actually did take on Povetkin over in the US. I think Joshua, again, I'll say it, I think Joshua needs to fight in the US next. He needs to get that US market involved before we see what will be, not one fight, but at least two fights with Deontay Wilder. I think Povetkin makes an Indian opponent. There's a massive Russian community over in the US anyway, certainly on the East Coast. Fight makes sense to me. Mm. There you go. There's your big three this week. Canelo, Conor McGregor and the heavyweight landscape. Uh, just on that uh, final point that we had there on the on the heavyweight landscape, obviously uh, Dillian White was um, in our core commentary team last week at uh, at Cardiff, and I found it highly amusing that uh, obviously at the start of the show we were talking about his fantastic performance against Lucas Brown the week yep. before, which was live on Talksport, and then him getting on the microphone and calling out Deontay Wilder. I was looking forward to maybe Deontay being in town to maybe you know egg that pudding a little bit more. Let's just say. Uh, and then during, obviously, we're going to be speaking to David Price uh, very, very shortly on the show. David obviously was defeated by uh, Alexander Povetkin uh, in Cardiff. So therefore, Dillian decided to leave his commentary position and went uh, and stood alongside uh, <laughs> Mr. Povetkin to call him out. He thinks, I'll have a knock with him. That's all right. I'll have a little bit of a scrap with him. And then later on in the week, we find out that the Kubrat Pulev things come up uh, um, with, the, with the IBF. Where would you advise him to go? Dillian White, because he is, literally. And I know that people might throw shade on this and, um, you know, scream at the radio regarding where Dillian's at at this moment in time. But let's be honest, if you're looking at the heavyweight landscape, he's in that second tier. You've got yeah. their champions, you've yeah. got the legit uh, mandatory challenges, and then he's in that second tier. He's basically one fight away from securing himself a heavyweight championship. Absolutely. As you just Every, said, heavyweight championship shot, yeah, let's yeah. just say. As you've just said then, though, he's, he's, he's a leading contender with the WBA, with the IBF. And he could well still get a shot at Wilder for the and WBC. He's not, yeah, he's number one with the WBC. If, yeah. if he went straight into the Wilder fight, you know, obviously if I was in his team, I'd say go for Wilder straight away. Hmm. It's the riskiest option, but obviously it's the most reward option as well because what a sensational position that would put him in in terms of a rematch with Anthony Joshua if he would manage to beat Deontay hmm. Wilder. And listen, we've all watched Deontay Wilder. We all, we all can see his extreme punch power, but we also see how raw and now untechnically is you know he mm. is a street he is basically a brawler Deontay Wilder and I think last you know the two weeks ago proved that Dillian against the brawler can, can get them out of there he can mm. can outbox them and, and, and certainly get the job done so if I was team Dillian I would certainly go for Deontay first and after that there's two strong options either way you know f suddenly Dillian White's gone from that 
absolutely terrible fight against Robert Hellenius where we were like, is he ever going to get a world title fight? Is he ever going to deserve one? Now he's beat what looked like an E or an F-level fighter to become, but he's put him in a sensational position. He's absolutely good. He seems like he's carrying, he's, he's holding all the eggs in all the baskets now. Uh, we spoke during the week about uh, Anthony Joshua's performance against uh, Joseph Parker. Uh, what was your uh, analysis? As the dust has settled now, we're one week on. There's, uh, we've heard so many different things from different reporters, different bits on social media from the fans and what have you. How do you look at that performance now, 21 fights into his career? I, th- I think it was excellent. You know, I, I, compared, it, I compared it earlier in the week to, um, you know, to Lennox Lewis beating David Tua. You know, it will not go down in, in history as one of his greatest performances mm. and people aren't rushing out to buy the Blu-ray disc. But it, it's a solid defence. It was a defence against an undefeated world champion to unify the belts. For me, pretty much won every round. For me, it was on Parker to change the fight. It was on Parker after six, seven rounds to go, you know what, I've got to do something different. I've got to either ignore the referee or I'm going to have to change my tactics completely. You know, because there was a third man in there that we, we, you know, that had a major issue and major yeah, yeah. input on the fight. But for me, Anthony Joshua done, done everything right. Why? And at the end, he, tried, he took a bit of a chance and tried to get him out of there. But I, I was delighted with Anthony Joshua's performance, just as I was delighted with his performance against Carlos Tachem before that as well. Mm. I think I said this, everything... Uh, I needed to say in, in commentary last week. But for me, Anthony Joshua is the best thing to happen to British boxing for such a long, long period of time. Let's all stop being miserable. Let's all stop throwing yeah, shade on what he's doing. Exactly. Just enjoy the ride, man. So what if this is not the golden age of heavyweight boxing? Mm. It's the golden age of British boxing. Absolutely. So just enjoy it. Absolutely. Three stadium fights in 11 months, 250,000 tickets. I don't see anybody else doing that at this moment in time. Nope. Enjoy the ride, okay? Um one man that was there last week uh, was David Price. And By I'll the tell way, something. What a, you're going to say the same thing? The reception. What a reception, yeah, yeah, Big yeah. Price. Absolutely. Got. And My we're going to speak goodness. to him about that reception uh, next on TalkSport. Do not go anywhere. You're listening to Fight Night. Pavetkin is reddening around the right-hand side of his head as Price lands a solid shot to the body. Price is in with a chance here. Pavetkin was blowing that. He was blowing badly in that round. Price was standing up. He was landing with good jabs from range. He looks like he's got some confidence now. As the blood... Oh! And now Pavetkin! Has he gone down? Almost! He was caught by a right hand and he's getting the count! He's getting the count! It was a great right hand! Oh, big right hand from Povetkin, and then the left, and Price is down, and that'll be the end of the fight. Right hand took him, left hand right on the point of the jaw has finished it. He's trying to get to his feet, but the referee has stopped it instantaneously, and in the fifth round, it is all over, and Povetkin has knocked David Price out, and when the end came, it was brutal. That's your nose. 30 stitches in the mouth and about 12 stitches on the ice. Nothing ever seems to go his way. Even when he had the, he felt he was a knockdown and right at the end of the round and he gave the guy just the, the, the couple of seconds just to get over it. A real shame. He's seconds away from knocking Alexander Pavekin out. He's been wrong by the sports, in my opinion. He's paid the sanction of bodies. He's paid the government bodies. The Bishop Club sold all these money throughout his career. And yet, why is it still standing that a drugged up fighter has wins over him? been knocked out on three occasions by many of failed drug tests after the fight and then decisions have not been overturned and been left standing. First of all, you heard the dulcet tones of John Rawlin there calling that on Talk Sport last week because we were live at the Principality in Cardiff and I'm delighted uh, to welcome onto the show... This is going to be a bit of a scouse loving this, right? Because obviously him and Nick are uh, good pals. Uh, Mr. Price, welcome. How are you, mate? 
Good evening. Where are you? <laughs> could, I, could I not have come into the studio tonight, or he's, um, he's out of town? Well, we, we could have had you in, mate, but Nick told me that you were out on uh, having a bevy sunshine, and I thought it might be oh, dangerous I'm if you've got a bevy I'm, inside you. Yeah, I'm sat in my kitchen. I'm sat in my kitchen, <laughs> just having, having a glass of red wine. No. <laughs> yeah. how, how are you, mate? Um, a week, obviously, after uh, after Cardiff. First of all, before we get before we get into that, what about this newfound love for Pricey? When you, uh, when you, you were at the top of the ring wall, the roof came off the gaff. Oh, man, do you know what? The... The, the build-up to the fight, the support I got was unbelievable, uh, Adam. So the day before the fight, I'm sitting on my social media and I was getting that much support. I, started, I, I put a tweet out saying, uh, you know, I was feeling, I was excited, nervous, nostalgic. I put, and because I, I started thinking about my journey in boxing and I was thinking about, the, you know, when it started boxing, when it gone to the Olympics, you know, all my amateur career, everything that's happened as a pro and it. I got got really emotional the day before the fight, um, and I shed a bit of a tear to be honest. And it, it, it was just like a release, though. You know, I'm not, I'm not ashamed mm. to say that. Um, and I felt better after it. And then the day of the fight, um, you know, because of the support, I said I was going to carry the positivity in the ring, and it, it was incredible. And like, I, I really feel like I've been welcomed back into the the boxing fraternity with open arms because. I do feel like I've been a bit of a boxing outcast for the last four, four, four years or so, four or five years, because I went and applied my trade in Germany after two back-to-back defeats. So no one's seen much of me. You know, I've had I've had disappointing results where pe- where people have accused me of many different things, including not 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 having any heart or different things like that. And it's been a difficult thing to take. But you know, after this fight, it. it the reaction's been incredible, and, and, and I really feel um, dejuvenated and like I've got a new lease of life. Well, me, me and Nick were speaking about this in the week. First of all, it takes an, a huge size of plums to make that ring walk after all the things that you've gone through. Uh, but then, but then to 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 roll the dice in the way that you did in that fight, because it would have been quite easy to went for it. To just be on the back foot, just trying you yeah. get get on the end of your jab and quite and be quite negative. You could have been quite negative in that fight, but you just thought, Do you know something? Mm. Come on, man, we're here for a gunshot. Let's have it. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. That's why I came out with the good, the bad, the ugly. To a shootout, and I was a gunslinger. But um, you know, the, the plan was to try and box a bit more. But it, it's in my nature to to try and take out the threat by knocking them out and. That's why I got caught in the third round and went down. And, but I got up, you know, I banged my fist on the floor, got up. Yeah. And I, I was in it to win it. I said after the fight to Joe Mack, my trainer, I said, part of me wishes I would have just kept my hands by the side of my head because I, I, I could have just gone the distance. And he only said to me, he said, if you'd have done that, I'd have thrown the towel in and I wouldn't speak to you ever again. Mm. Um, because we're in it to win it, you know. It's nice that you mentioned Joe Mack there because obviously I, I dropped into the gym the Friday before uh, before you even went down to Cardiff uh, and I commented to Adam afterwards and, and to me family and everything. I was like, I've never seen Pricey so happy. You you were in shape, but you were happy. It looked like you were yeah. you were in love with boxing again. And speaking to you now, yeah. it sounds like you're rejuvenated. You, you, oh, you, know, you, you can't wait to see what comes next in your career. Yeah, even more so now, honestly. Uh... I really feel like I turned the corner last Saturday, even though the ending was brutal, you know, and it, was, it wasn't nice. But I've been given a clean bill of health, and I'm okay. And the reality is, I'm not going to be fighting 
Alexander Povekin or anyone like that in in the near future. You know, my initial plan was to 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 go right. Let's go for the British title or whatever, and mm. then that fight was offered to me, and I thought, no, we'll take that. But now we'll just go back to the original plan. Um, but really, feel like I've turned the corner, and when I said I've got a new lease of life, I really have. Um, it's just just mad how, how I can you can lose a fight, but somehow feel like you've won. In a way, it's a, it's incredible. And the first time I got knocked out by Erkan Tepper in uh, Germany, it was so difficult to deal with for me, me ego and everything else. I'd never been knocked out like that in my life. And I carried it with me for months. I was ashamed and, and everything else. But now I'm kind of like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fighter. And, you know, if you get knocked out... This is the business? You, you can't take getting knocked out. Then why are you even in the ring in the first place? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gladiator. You know, I've got a... I've got a Except that it can happen, so uh, I'm I'm proud of how we how I will put it in last week and, and provided the fight of the night. By the way, Nick, you know we were talking if if, if that was in the <laughs> UFC, I'd have got a nice bonus last week. <laughs> You'd have got a fifty thousand dollar bonus there for fighting the night nice for, sure. for saving the show because every other fight, you know, didn't really get people out of the seats. But me, you know, trust me as usual to. The, you know, make, make it exciting, but, but on the wrong end of the, the, the result again. But we live and learn. But within that fight, there was hope because at the end of that third round, mate, our commentary position nearly ended up about three rows forward. We were nearly in the ring with you because the tables were off. We were on the. We were. We were nearly. Mate, what that a happened nationwide. Yeah, I think absolutely. Everyone in the country did that. Everyone jumped off the sofas. Everyone in the arena jumped to the feet because it, it, it just felt like that was the moment. Yeah, I know. There's, there's, there's still an element of the. Uh, Regret, you know, every time I go to bed, and, and I'm thinking, you know, when when I landed that left hook, why didn't I just charge across the ring as fast as I could? But I didn't even feel that punch land. It landed that clean, and I looked and I was like, "Whoa, he's hurt here!" And I, and I was gonna just try and look for the openings and 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 do them like that, but the the bell saved him. Um, but uh, you know, all added to the to the drama. Um, and like I say, I'm. There is regret, but I'm proud, and, and, and mm. I know I can move forward with my head all day. No, absolutely, man. And as we said right at the start of this conversation, I think there's a new love uh, for you, so therefore people will be paying attention to what the next step is. So as as you are right now, obviously it's rest time, enjoy the wife, enjoy the kids and all that type of stuff, but yeah. then what's the plan? When are we going to see you doing oh, your thing again? I want, I want to get back in the ring as soon as possible. I've just, um, I've just had my stitches out tonight. My wife took them out, <laughs> believe it or not. She took my stitches out of my eye because they were ready to come out. So I, I, as soon as as soon as soon that heals up, um, well, I'm, I want to fight again. And there's going to be no inquest. You know, there's going to be no steward's inquiry into, oh, you got knocked out. It's just going to be the old-fashioned way of, yeah, I got knocked out, so what? Well, you know, we get back in the ring as soon as possible. Yeah. Um and I can't wait to get back in the gym. Honestly, I just wish it had felt like this um, even even six years ago when I was British yeah. champion because, mm. you know, I, I, the way I am now, I'm 35 in the summer, so, you know, I, I'm coming towards the, the twilight of my career, obviously, but part of me wishes, you know, why, why couldn't it have felt like this so many years ago and started training with... Um, John McNally and with now at that mm. time and John Gillies because we've got a, we've got a great uh, great chemistry and a great mm. setup. The ban- by the way, Nick, the banter between them three in the 
Well, pr- pr- Pricey was on the cups of tea and they were on the cups of tea looking after him through the course of the week. It was absolutely fierce. It was fierce. Some of the com- I'll tell you one of the conversations, right? I was asked, do I genuinely believe that dogs can talk? Right? That's what I was asked. And then I said, no, not at all. And then this idiot is t- trying to convince me, well, why do you think like that? Because what if this happened? What if that happened? Yeah, this was the no, conversation we're, we're, that we were, we're having. Quite philo- I love it. We're quite, phil- we're quite philosophical. We do love uh, philosophical conversations and talk about whether the air's flat or not and things like that. But all go, go fun. Pass it the time anyway when we're in training camp. Well, it, it puts a smile on your face, mate. And a happy fighter is, yeah. a, is a dangerous yeah. fighter, mate. Looking forward to seeing you yeah, back doing your thing, mate. Enjoy a bit of time off. Thanks, Top man. Appreciate Top, that. Thanks, Thanks, see you later. Super. David Price uh, on the show. You're listening to... Uh, look at you. you always, every time we speak to Price, you always get a little bit of a smile on your mush, don't you? Sam Sexton's fight series Fury for the British title yeah. soon. There's, our, yeah, there's yeah. the guy waiting for them in the wings, I think. For the British Championship. Absolutely. Regain, two-time Absolutely. British champion. Tell you something, he's in the mix. Anyway, newfound love for David Price. Let us know what you think of him. At Adam Catterall on Twitter. Keep him coming and you listen to Fight Night on Talks. But lots still to come. We're going to be speaking to Billy Joe Saunders, hopefully, uh, in the next half an hour of the show as we try to get some answers on what is happening with uh, Triple G's next opponent. Don't go anywhere. Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall, and Nick Pete. And if you miss any of the show tonight, you can download the Fight Night podcast, where this week you'll also hear an exclusive interview with David Hay after our very own uh, Don McGuinness travelled down to his gym a little earlier this week. Uh, now then, uh, with that in mind, I think it's only fair that uh, we move on to uh, other uh, fighters that uh, are being talked about quite a lot at this moment in time. Uh, we were due to see him in action um, not today, next weekend, mm-hmm. as he was uh, due to fight Martin Murray. But therefore, that fight fell through because uh, Billy Joe Saunders uh, picked up an injury to his hand. It's been rescheduled, but there's other chats of maybe uh, becoming the undisputed middleweight champion now that the Mr Triple G is uh, looking for an opponent. Billy Joe Saunders is on the show right now. Billy, how are you, mate? You good? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm very well indeed, man. Good to, uh, good to have you uh, back on the show. First of all, how's that injury, mate? How's the hand? Yeah, I'm back punching and studying that with it. So, uh, you know, it's nothing at all to uh, to be too worried about now. Just getting uh, my physio on it, finished a bit up. Um, got a little bit, well, got my physio flying out here on Monday to carry on with a little bit. And uh, ready to rock and roll. So you're already uh, participating in that warm weather training. Bit of, ven- bit, bit of venture to get a bit of sun on your back whilst you're training, mate. Always puts a smile on your face. That's it, 100%. Listen... Get the guns out. Get the guns out on the top of the about, isn't it? <laughs> Listen, by the way, on your social media the other day, I was loving that uh, you were, uh, let's just say, uh, having a chat with a couple of kids about their bike. Let's just leave it at that, shall we? <laughs> yeah, listen, no, just in Sheffield where I come, always, uh, always give the young kids a bit of time. You know, they always come up and have a chat and whatnot else. So I thought I'd try to steal one of the bikes. Now, <laughs> try and steal one of the bikes just in case you missed what he just said there. Just having a bit of a crack with him. Now, listen, before we obviously talk Martin Murray, because that is your uh, scheduled next fight in June, that's the rescheduled fight, uh, which is a tough uh, tough task in itself. I want to talk Triple G, mate, because obviously this week, his fight has, has fallen off with uh, Canelo. You're the guy that holds the other belt, mate. You must have thrown your hat in the ring uh, to see if you could get that fight either for May or at a later date. What's the latest, pal? What, for the fans, what's the latest with that situation? Yeah. You know, uh, I think that the, the, you know, that fight there, you got to really, yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't know. I don't. You don't know what to expect because you don't really know what the band's going to be, mm. if he's going to get banded. So yeah. it's, it's hard for me to say. But 
Um, you know, I know Frank Warren's in uh, strong talks with the camp. Um, I know they're in very strong talks. It definitely won't happen in May, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I do know they're in uh, they're in big talks. So uh, maybe, maybe it's uh, it, well, it, I, I'm sure it'll happen this year. Well, that's good. That's good to it. Um, that's what the fans want, isn't it? At the end of the day, I mean, we call for this on on with all our weight categories on this particular show, we want undisputed champions. And therefore, the fight to make in the middleweight division is Triple G, it is Billy Joe Saunders, because you're the guys that hold the belts. Well, look, I mean, before, <clears throat> I'm sure another performance he's seen, he would have took it in a heartbeat, but, you know, I think my last performance in Canada, mm. uh, it's sort of like, I'm not saying that, that it scared him or anything, but it certainly woke him up a little bit to say, Wolf, well, hold up, he's not a walkover if he turns up by that. Um you know, I'm in for, for in for an hard, tough night. So, you know, that's the case there. So, you know, I think that, that my performance in Canada didn't do me the world of good, to be honest with you, for, for these big mega fights. But, you know, it's one of those things. You've got to get on with it. And like you say, I'm ready there. I'm ready to fight the best. I'm ready to fight Golovkin. Whoever the best is, I'm ready mm. to fight. Billy, I feel like you've been... We've been banging this drum for about two years now. Do you, do you actually feel it's closer than ever before, though? You're convinced it's definitely going to happen? You know, it's, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, Canelo now getting banded. Let's just say, for instance, now that, you know, they banned Canelo for, I don't know, let's say six months. Mm. And, you know, September is less than six months away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, they can't announce, surely they can't announce Canelo a fight until his band's completely up. And, you know, then they've got to sell it. So... You know, I personally think that that fight won't even go ahead in September unless they bend the rules and, you know, and, you know, because it's Canelo and Glofkin, which I, I, I don't think is fair to, not just because I want the fight, but it's just because, you know, any boxing, any boxer taking illegal drugs should be made an example of. So, yeah. you know, they, you know, just because it's Canelo, if he gets a slap on the wrist, someone else won't do it and expect yeah. a slap on the wrist. Yeah, and uh, I think they've got to deal with this appropriately and, you know, make sure they make the right and correct decision, which I'm sure they will. But, you know, it, it all depends on that. And I'm sure Golovkin don't really fancy me before the the Canelo rematch because p- potentially it could be a banana skin for him. And, you know, boxing is a business and obviously he'd like to do the, the bigger business because, you know, I know that. I know Canelo's the bigger business than me. Mm. Even though we're unification, because he's a good seller and the in the US a great pay per view fighter. What what is it that you want to have? Let's, for example, your fight comes after Canelo Triple G two, right? So therefore, one of those guys is going to hold all the belts. What if it does go to Canelo? Is that the fight that you will then chase? Is is it the belts? Is the the undisputed championship that you want? That's what every fighter wants. But to be honest with you, um, you know I know Canelo. I know that me and Canelo will never fight because my style and his style just don't don't gel. You know, he's Frank Warren's already been in talks with Canelo's people and they've already told him that told Frank that listen, that it's not gonna happen. And that was after the uh David Lemieux fight when we were in Canada. He spoke mm. to Golden Boy himself. Which is a shame really, because if he holds all the belts, the fans wanna see an undisputed, yeah, they want to see the they want to see the best fight, the best, don't they? And this is the problem with boxing. I mean, you got certain promoters with certain fighters, you know, and then you know this fight I can't fight on that channel, this fight I can't fight on that channel, and mm. you know then 
he don't want to fight him because he's a potential banana skin for that fight, and he don't want to fight him because he's better than him. He should be the best fight for the best, and that's it. Mm. I mean, listen, I'm willing to fight. Whoever the best is, I'm willing to fight. Whoever that may be, wherever that may be, I'm willing to go there, do the business, just to prove to myself and just to see how good I am. Am I the best? I don't know. But I, I certainly feel I am. Mm. So I'd like to see, you know, am I good enough to, to be the king in the weight or, you know, am I second best? So that's what I want to know because, you know, mm. it gets frustrating at times, but it's boxing. I'm, I'm at the minute now fit, ready, um, you know, ready to go at all times. So I'm, I'm only a phone call away. Well, the next guy's Martin Murray. Obviously, that's been rescheduled uh, for June. It's a great opportunity as well for fans back home uh, to see Billy Joe Saunders 2.0 because the ones, there wasn't too many that travelled out to Canada to get to see that masterclass against David Lemieux. You get an opportunity to do it on, uh, on home soil next time out. Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, I've got to give credit to Martin. He's a, he's a tough man. He's a game man. He's um, personally myself. I thought he should have been two-time world champion already. Mm. But, you know, I know he, I can't overlook him. All this Golovkin talk and all this other talk, you know, if he beats me, then it's all finished with. So I've got to give him the respect. And to be honest with you, I just don't, I don't like talking about making fights before he had one. You know, I've got yeah, my yeah. mind on, on that one fight. But because it's in my mind, you know, because it's set in the back of your mind, you know, you could unify. But, you know, Martin Murray is not a walkover for anybody. He has to be beaten. And, you know, if I'm slacking or if I'm not on it, then... You know, it could be a potential banana skin for me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Listen, we're looking forward to it anyway. We're looking absolutely, forward to that fight because yeah. it'll be an absolute cracker. Listen, Billy, I'll let you uh, crack on with the rest of your evening. Thank you so yeah. much for your time. Stay mate. away Take from care, that pal. Mexican meat, Bill. <laughs> Good lad. See you in a minute. Billy Joe Son is there, the middleweight, uh, WBO middleweight champion of the world uh, on the show right now. Just giving us a little bit of an update as to uh, as what's going on uh, in that middleweight division. It's, it's surprising that, that Canelo's camp have already come to Frank, who looks after Billy Joe Saunders and said, listen, nah, that fight probably won't happen because uh, the styles don't mix. It's nothing to do with the styles. It's nope. because they can see that he's absolutely dangerous and probably could uh, de- demantle the throne. Absolutely. And, he, you know, as Bill said himself, then he doesn't bring the kind of pay-per-view action that a glove can that bring. Warrants so it. There's, there's no... There's, there's too much risk and not enough reward. Mm, absolutely. Uh, do stick with us. Uh, we've got a bit of Hall of Fame coming up. We're going to be speaking to Nicola Adams after 11 o'clock as well. You're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sport. <laughs> Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Larry Holmes has done it! We've got a brand new heavyweight champion of the world, Mike Tyson. Hall of Fame. Each week we go to our very own Hall of Fame to induct someone, something or something connected loosely to the world of uh, fight sports. Uh, we've had particular boxes, we've had trilogies, we've had a group of fans being thrown into our Hall of Fame, those that used to follow Ricky Hatton all over the world. Um, and today's a little bit different as well. We're not putting in a particular human being, even though we will speak about individuals. Uh, we are kind of celebrating those British fighters that have gone to foreign soil to win a world title. Okay, Man, many have gone down the route of maybe defending a world title abroad. Lennox used to do it all the time, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, but those that have, have gone against the odds, gone into the backyard of... Uh, an illustrious champion, in order to achieve greatness. They have dared to be great. And in most recent times, 2015, we'll all remember Tyson Fury uh, going over to Dusseldorf and uh, robbing the king of his crown, basically, is what he did in the heavyweight division. And that's probably the one that stands out uh, the most for the modern-day fan. There's others as well that uh, come to my mind, mainly because a couple of pals have done it. For example, Darren Barker's been on this show regularly over the last month or so. Uh, Darren, obviously... Did that uh, against uh, Giel in uh, Atlantic City. Fantastic uh, achievement for him. Kel Brook as well, who's been a regular feature on the show, went abroad into into the States uh, to become uh, the welterweight champion of the world. Uh, but I'm going to throw this towards you, Nick. Even though we are celebrating those Brits that do go abroad and do it, one's attempting it a little later on. We're going to speak to Gareth A. Davis about James DeGale, of yeah. course. And he's trying it, to well, do... It, it, it's not his belt anymore, of course, yet. So he's trying to win it. He's trying to become a two-time, yeah, yeah. though, okay. because he originally won it in America. That's right. Now he's trying to be a two-time in-your-backyard-type uh, world champion at, at Super Middleweight. We'll talk about that le- later on. Uh, but which ones stand out for you? Down the years, those British fighters that have gone against the odds, gone into someone else's backyard and de- and, and, and dethroned the king and become the, the champion of the world. Of this generation, um, and you know what, Bill's just mentioned them then, we should... At this point, we should be saying Martin Murray because he beat Sergio Martinez in Argentina. Mm. It was an absolute and Billy kind of alluded to that, there, didn't champion. he? Yeah, mm. you know we should be talking about that one. But I'm going to go a little bit more old school for mine because a good mate of mine is John H. Stracy, a bit of an old school boxer who won the WBC uh, welterweight championship. He beat Jose Napoles, the uh, the Cuban yeah. who was based uh, out of out of Mexico City. He was dropped in the first round, Stracy. He was the European champion at the time. He went over there. No one gave him much of a chance. I don't think there was many British uh, newspaper men that even ventured over there because it was all against the odds. And yet he got there. He climbed up off the canvas in the first. He battered Napoles, cut him to ribbons, and the referee actually stopped the fight in the sixth round. And it made John H. Stracy absolutely made him. So for me, that's the number one. I'm going to uh, I'm going to chuck some other names out there because okay. I, I don't want to do a feature like this and then not mention people and then people listening to the show will be tweeting going you forgot this one you forgot this one da, 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 da. and please join in with this this is your feature as much as it is ours uh, take a little bit of a trip down memory lane if there's been a British fighter that maybe you have followed down the years 
We're kind of trying to just concentrate on those that won a title abroad. Yeah, not defended it. For example, Calzaghi, you could mention him when you've been been abroad and watched him defend against Roy Jones, for example, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but he, he won it over. Won it. Yeah, he won it over here, and he's gone and defended it over there. Okay. Now, to be fair, you could have Ricky Hatton, I suppose, couldn't you? Uh, because when he stepped up to welterweight, yeah, he beat Luis Colazzo at welterweight in America in order to become the welterweight champion because he was the junior welterweight champion at that particular yeah. time, wasn't he? So I suppose you can have Ricky. But that was a few levels below yeah. what Stacey did, I've got to be honest no, with you. Yeah, absolutely. Right, yeah. so I'll chuck, some, uh, I'll chuck some at you. Alan Minter. Of course. That was a tremendous uh, achievement, obviously, uh, beating Vito uh, and, and Tuo Fermo and then beat him again back here in London, which then set up a fantastic uh, not with Hagler, didn't it, back in the day. I mean, he was, for Welsh fight fans back in the day, uh, Alan Minter would have been your boy. I've no doubt, I've not even checked my social media at this moment in time, uh, at Adam Catterall, if you want to throw your hat into the ring with these, but I've no doubt, because I know Simon Jordan, who does uh, a lot on TalkSport and various shows, he's a big fan of this guy, and I think he even went to this uh, back in the day. Lloyd Hunnigan. Oh, Don Curry. The Don Curry fight. Yeah, um, 1986, I think I think that, that's probably the one most people are going to remember, yeah, absolutely. Because that was a voluntary defence for, yeah. for the Don, Donald Curry, who was absolutely smashing everybody. I think he was 25-0 and 0 at the time, Donald Curry, yeah, smashing everybody to pieces. Unreal. And Lloyd went over there without much hope whatsoever, mm. and yet he turned in the performance of his life. Absolutely. What a night that was. And became undisputed, because it was IBF, WBA, and WBC on that particular Unreal. night, and he went up there. And he didn't. it wasn't a lucky punch. No, no. He made him quit. Did, I think yeah. he made him quit after about eight rounds, seven rounds, eight rounds. Donald Curry went, who's this guy? Exactly. This is a voluntary. Shoot the manager. Who's, <laughs> who's brought this Lloyd Hunnigan over here? You're gone. Absolutely. So he uh, ended up uh, binning it on his, uh, on his stool. And of course, I know that we've said this on many occasions when we're talking about belts and the, and the recognition of particular belts at world level and when they came in. Because we had this discussion last week, obviously, around Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker and Deontay Wilder, undisputed champions, Lennox being the last heavyweight undisputed champion, mm-hmm. but he didn't have the WBO belt at that time. So we're talking about legitimacy of belts, right? So I've always gone along the thought process of the WBO belt became a recognised heavyweight championship in 2004, around that time, yeah, yeah. all right? Uh, but if you uh, remember in the late 80s, uh, Nigel Benn actually went to the States, didn't he? And he became the WBO world champion. So you could kind of, because yeah. it's Nigel, I'll, I'll let it slide. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> he went out there and beat Doug DeVitt, didn't he? And uh, then had one more defence in the States because he was rebuilding his career out in America, then came back for the Eubank fight, which was your first ever fight. That was my... Uh, in 1990. That was the one that changed my life, yeah. There you go. And then obviously you went to Castle Grayskull in 93, didn't you? Enjoying That's yourself right. there, you see? He calls uh, Old Trafford, by the way, Castle Grayskull, being a Liverpool fan, this fella. Uh, hence me uh, making that uh, uh, that uh, analogy. But Nigel Ben did it as well. He went over to the States and won himself his uh, his first world title. Obviously, I mentioned Ricky Atten a little bit earlier on. And in more recent times, Kel Brook. Fantastic performance, that. Yeah. Against uh, Sean Porter to go and uh, become uh, the welterweight champion out there. Darren Barker's my favourite one, you know. Because Darren yeah, Barker was... of the story behind it, the narrative behind yeah. it. That's why. It's what makes it so extra special. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, so. And, the, and the, the way the fight played out as well. Obviously, Gail had him on the deck with a ferocious body shot. And you were just... I just remember being sat. This is the thing about following fighters when they do go abroad. Because nine times out of ten, we can't be there. So therefore, you sat in your pyjamas in the early hours of the morning. You might have had a little bit of kip and got up dead early, aren't you? Like four o'clock in the morning to watch your lad do his thing. And fingers crossed, he can he can do it. And I'm sure many people are going to be doing the exact same thing with James DeGale tonight against Caleb Truex. But I remember that Darren Barker thing where I thought, you know, is he going to do it? I think he could do Gill. He could definitely do Gill here at the Copper Box, or he could do him at the O2. But abroad, is he going to get a decision abroad? 
go on, I'll get up and have a little bit of a nosy. And then when he dropped him and he was on the deck and he looked in an awful, ferocious pain, proper pain, he was out. He found obviously strength. And he spoke about this on the show on many, many occasions now, Darren. He thought about his brother who sadly passed away. He found that inner strength. And that's the thing that kind of makes us resonate with these guys. They find something from deep within to drive them on to the next stages of their career. And then obviously he went out and absolutely outboxed the guy for the rest of the fight and ended up getting himself a decision becoming the middleweight champion of the world. And I think that's why the ones that live fondly and most fondly in the memory, rather than Ricky Hatton, who was, who was kind of like the favourite, even though he yeah. was going over the chance for the belt, it's the Lloyd Hunnigans, it's the Stracys, it's the Barkers. Darren Barkers, yeah. Because they're going there as the massive underdogs. They're going there to basically you know, line up the, the, the champion's record, if you like, and mm. just to add another notch on his belt. And they're going over there and they're winning the belt. And you can flip that to Caleb Truex coming over here. Yeah. He was... He was chosen as an opponent for, J- yeah. for James DeGale mm. and 2X completely up- upset the other apple cart to win the belt over here so it's, it, now it's the flip side of that as DeGale's going over there trying to do the same thing mm. uh, Gareth A. Davis is at that fight we're going to be speaking to him in the next hour of the show so make sure you stick around uh, you're also going to hear from uh, Nicola Adams who's on the Warrington Selby undercard in Leeds Still Snoop Dogg and D.I. D.I. Uh, now, this is Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catherall and Nick Pete. And if you miss any part of the show tonight, you can download the Fight Night podcast, uh, where this week you'll also hear an exclusive interview with David Hay uh, after our very own Don McGuinness travelled down to his gym earlier this week to have a little bit of a chinwag with him ahead of, obviously, Bellew Hay 2, which is live and exclusive to TalkSport uh, on May the 5th, which we're all looking forward to immensely. Um, Nick, a little bit more so because he's mates with Tony Bellew and he gets excited when Tony uh, fights. My back. Actually, I have a chiropractor now after the time that I spent with uh, Nick at Goodison Park uh, back here a couple of mares ago when he beat uh, Ilunga Makabu and became the WBC Cruiserweight champion. Honestly, I've never seen a man jump so high and come down. Listen, I'm a mile smaller than you, mate. You need to be a little bit more... Uh, Courteous around me. I'm delicate around ringside. Therefore, when uh, when your pals are fighting, God bless. If you'd have been knocking about with me last week when Pricey were in the ring, but I don't know what would have happened to me. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's plenty of other fights to be talking about before we finish the show. One of which, an absolute living legend, a guy that you have covered uh, over uh, the years, Nick, in Manny Vegas, Pacquiao. Yeah. He is uh, he's back in action, Manny Pacquiao. I mean. I'm kind of waiting for that time. The world time. tour continues, doesn't it? Let's yeah. be honest. Well, I'm kind of waiting for that time where somebody comes along and says, right, Manny's now making an announcement and it is, I'm hanging up my gloves and I'm going full-time into politics, even though he's full-time into politics anyway. And let's be straight, using the world of boxing to kind of bankroll the uh, to what he's actually doing. In the, yeah, yeah, exactly, to become the president of the Philippines. Uh, but Lucas Matisse, um, in the welterweight division, I'm reluctant to say for a WBA world title because it's a WBA regular version of a world title. Anybody that's ever listened to anything that I do knows that I've got gripe with the IBO not being recognised as a legitimate world title and the WBA regular belt not being recognised as a legitimate world title, especially when there's super champions, interim champions, intercontinental champions, uh, Kellogg's Cornflakes champions, you know, all those types of carry on. But Lucas Matisse and Manny Pacquiao are going toe-to-toe on July the 14th. That's the date that I'm being told. In Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, it yeah. is a world tour. They're going out there to go and get some of that Asian money. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a strange one. Um, Matisse, of course, um, I think it was like his fourth or his fifth try at a world title when he won it last time out against mm. Kiram. So I'm, I'm kind of over the moon for Matisse because obviously Manny's uh, still a money fight even though he's in this Legends Tour stage of his career. <laughs> legends Tour. Is that what you're calling it? He's on a bit of a Legends <laughs> Tour, isn't he? You know, he goes to Australia, loses his belt, 
uh, loses a, a world title fight in Australia, complains it wasn't the right decision when it was the right decision. He deserved to lose to, to, uh, to Jeff, Jeff Horn. Yeah. And now he's fighting Matisse outs in Kuala Lumpur. So the way he's going, he's, you know, we may well see Manny fight in the UK before he hangs him up, which would be kind of nice. Mm. Um, but it's... It is what it is. It's it's a strange thing now. Have you read he's, he's cut ties with Freddie Roach? Freddie Roach is no longer going to be in the t- corner now. He's going to be he's going to be coached by Boo Boy. If for anyone that's ever watched any Manny Pacquiao countdown videos and everything else, Boo Boy is the street kid from who he grew up with. Yeah, he went back to the Philippines after he'd made it as a pro boxer. Found Boo Boy living rough and said, "Listen, come with me. Come back to America." And you can help Freddie in the corner. And he's basically been like Freddie's towel man or Manny's towel man with Freddie. And now he's he's apparently going to be the trainer. He's going to be head coach. Well, that to me tells me that Freddie knows. Freddie's like, listen. Well, Freddie came is- out after the horn fight, didn't he? And said, no complaints for me. I, I think I think Manny lost the fight. Yeah. I think that's part of the reason why Manny's management have said, Boo Boy's going to do the corner this time because Manny needs someone in the corner that believes in him. Yeah, well, that's it. I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but I think it's quite evident from conversations that we've had with Freddie down the years that Manny's attentions are elsewhere. And we've alluded to the fact that he's keen on his politics in the Philippines. At one point, he will be uh, the president of the Philippines. No, I, I think the majority of people would, uh, would agree with that. And to be a Freddie Roach fighter, you've got to give him 24-7. You've got to give him 24-7 in that gym, but you can't be, right, I'll come and do a bit and then I'm going to have to go and sit in Congress and then I'm going to have to go and do this, then I'm going to have to go and do that and then I'm going to have to go... You know, it doesn't really wash with Freddie Roach and I'm not surprised that that, uh, that split has come. Uh, but Boo Boy Fernandez is uh, the boy that you're, uh, you're referring to, which is just odd. So he's basically, Manny's mate. just running his own... Yeah, he's, he's mate. They're just running his own camp for this fight and against you know Lucas what? Matisse. Matisse worked damn hard to become world champion. Make no mistake, he will see this. Mm. He will be approaching this fight all guns blazing. He won't be thinking, oh, I'm going in against Manny Pacquiao. He's a legend and I, you know, I'll, I'll take it easy. Do you know what this? Do you know what he st- st- stinks of, though? I'm not taking anything away from Manny Pacquiao. This man is a multi-weight world champion. He is a legitimate Hall of Famer. He is a god, right? But you've got all these guys that have been gods to me in the past. Roy Jones Jr., James Tony. Yep. All these guys. Go on too long. Yep. They're going on too long. And they destroy their legacy a little bit. And Be- Mathise can bang, make no mistake. At one point, Mathise, everyone was talking about him being the, ne- you know, the next big welterweight great. So he's got power in his fists. And Manny's not the same Manny Pacquiao as he once was. And no. unfortunately, I see this one ended in tears. Mm. And then... They're also, even now, even though this fight has just been made, they're already talking about the possibility of a matchup with Vasil Lomachenko, your mate. Just insane. Absolutely. But at what weight? Because Vasil's obviously not at 147 pounds as of yet. So does he go up? Does Manny go down? What happens? Certainly have to come down to at least 140 pounds. But that would still be Lomachenko moving up. But it's just a pure money fight. I think it's top rank looking to cash in one last time with Manny and put him in with their new golden boy. Um, but I'd fear Manny Pacquiao. But to be honest with you, I, I don't think he gets to do this Matisse fight. I think mm. he'll lose here, Manny. And I think any talk of a Lomachenko fight will be long gone. Thing is, the, the, the fan of him that I am, if he did come to the UK, even though I, 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 I stand by my thought process of he should hang him up, he should call it a day, don't destroy the legacy. Manny, you've done everything that you needed to do in this game. Hopefully you've made a few quid and you sound, right? Absolutely yep. tremendous. And even though I say, hang them up, I don't want to see it anymore. If he came to the UK, I'd be the first in the queue, mate, because it's Manny Pacquiao. That's the problem, isn't it? Because he is such still a big draw. Even though if he, he might lose against Matisse, he'll probably well, he'll lose against Lomachenko. It doesn't matter who he's fighting. You're still going to pay to go and see him. It's like if Roy Jones Jr. came to the UK. I'd pay to go and watch it. Mate, I, I, I've been there and lived this exact story when Naz fought Paul Ingle in Manchester in 1999. 
Thomas the Hitman Hearns yes. featured on the undercard. Yes. And you know what? It wasn't Thomas Hitman Hearns. No. It was some old man yeah. who used to be Thomas the Hitman Hearns. But it was fascinating, and I loved it. And I, just to say, I've been there and seen him fight live. I did the same thing with Tyson when he did his tour of the UK as well. Mm. And unfortunately, there's money to be made in the Manny Pacquiao business, and he just what he's never going to stop. There you have it. That's our thoughts on that. What are your thoughts? Get your tweets in at Adam Cattrall. It's been a pleasure being with you once again. Don't forget, this will be available as a podcast. There's a little bit of an extra uh, interview there as well with David Hare. Make sure you check it out. All available on the Fight Night feed. Don't call it a comeback. Now then, as a little bit of an added extra to uh, the podcast, uh, I think it's only fair that we hear from the Haymaker because we've got a huge fight coming to you live on TalkSport on May the 5th between him and Tony Bellew. It's part two. What type of spirits is he in at this moment in time? Is his body holding up? Our man, Don McGuinness, went to meet up with the Haymaker in the Haymaker gym. Well, David, thanks for inviting us to... No problem. ...the place where the Haymaker does his business yep. under the, the railway line. It's always You might nice hear, to hear some the trains, trains every five minutes. I'm not better to blurring out what we're saying, but... That's all good, but firstly, is, what a pristine gym this is. I know everybody who comes here says it's the cleanest gym they've ever been to. I, we get, I get it actually industrially cleaned every morning. You know, whenever I've gone into... But everyone thinks I'm a bit of a, a neat freak or whatever. But I hate, like, the sweat and the smell of... Most people walk into a gym and go, ah, oh, smells like a real gym. No, it smells disgusting. It smells like sweaty men. It smells like a sauna. It's like, who wants to... I spend so much time here, I want it to smell fresh. And it smells fresh. So some of those old myths about, you know, you've got to have it... Spit and sawdust. And I don't that. want any spit or sawdust anywhere. It gets literally hoovered and cleaned and mopped and disinfected. So um, that's how I like to do things here. Well, we know you're very clean. <laughs> how are you feeling now? I feel great. I feel good. I feel healthy. Um... I feel fresh. I really do. I'm doing some great work with Ishmael Salas. Um, the technical side of things really coming together. Um, sparring's been go- has been on, on schedule, and timing feels great. I'm, I'm nice and light. I'm healthy. I haven't had to take, you know, hardly any days off through sickness or illness or injury, which is a, a real treat for me, as I think it's no secret of my um, my prior injuries over the years. So for this camp. And my prior camp, the, the emphasis was on making sure I get in the ring in one piece and healthy, athletic, you know, and making sure that my timing's right, my timing's good. So from that first bell, I can see everything that's coming at me and I can counter it and I'm, I'll be back to my old self again. So the injuries that you have had, we know about the Achilles in the first fight, the mm. bicep that mm. postponed the rematch. Yeah, last time out, yeah, it was very frustrating. It was around about this time mm. prior to the last fight. The last fight was scheduled, this fight was originally scheduled mm. for December 17th and about a month before the fight, around about this time. Um, I decked it down some stairs and damaged my bicep, needed a, a small operation to repair that. But, you know, it's all, it's all basically healed now. I'm doing pull-ups and I'm punching like better than ever. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. It's given me uh, a chance to spend more time with my new coach, Ishmael Salas. And um, I, I believe every, everything has, the old cliche, everything happens for a reason, but I believe it does. And come fight night, I'll be a better version than I would have been uh, in this last December. You just said two things that he's already told us. Mm. So you were definitely on the same page. Okay. In terms of yeah. everything happens for a reason, yeah. more time together, you, he feels that you've really bonded. Because yeah. I think you first came into contact around the Jorge Linares time um, when he was training here. It was, well, actually, it was actually before that. You know, I worked with Ishmael Salas for a few months in 2014. Um, and we really gelled back then. Um, but through his commitments with other fighters, he wasn't able to come to the UK to train me and I wasn't really willing to go over to Las Vegas and train I think me in Las Vegas is a, is a no-no for my career so um, 
that didn't really work out, but it, it worked out perfectly. You know, um, after I lost my last fight, myself and Shane McGuigan kind of agreed that, you know, our relationship has gone as far as it, far as it would go. Um, so I gave uh, Ishmael, Ishmael a shout and said, you know, do you fancy coming to London, training me and training Joe Joyce and, you know, bring um, Lenara's over as well. And you, you, you feel free to work here in the gym. And he said it sounded great. So here he is. And as you said, it just gives us that little bit more time to work, to gel more rounds of sparring, more pad work, more technical sessions. So um, I feel on May 5th, you're going to get yourselves a very, very good version of, of me. What does he bring, without kind of looking at flaws in other trainers or anything like that, but what does this fellow, who's hugely experienced, of course, what does he bring and what, what, what's he taught you? Um, you touched on it there. You said uh, experience. You know, he's had over uh, 20 world champions. You know, he, he's, as an amateur alone, you know, generated, you know, he trained Felix Savon from his first jab, who turned out to be one of the greatest ever, you know, amateur boxers, you know, three-time Olympic gold medal, you know, uh, Rigondo, one of the most skillful pound-for-pound fighters up until uh, probably a year ago. And um, you know, all of my favourite sort of stylistic fighters, this guy has trained at one stage or another. And uh, I've always thought to myself, you know, someone like that, you know, intertwining with my style. I've got a very unorthodox style, an unusual mm-hmm. style, and some coaches don't quite get it 100%, but he does. He understands that it's not just about punching hard it's about getting into a flow getting into a rhythm and to wake up stuff that I I've kind of forgotten over the years you know how I box as an amateur and how I box as a professional particularly in my last fight is very very different you know so he's doing stuff that I used to do he's watched all of my fights from the amateurs all the way to my early professional career and he said I used to do this why did you stop doing that and a lot of times I I don't know he said that was really good you did that in your 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 14th fight and you know but I haven't seen you do that in any other fights because I haven't practiced it that's all it is so we're we're going over lots of stuff that I'm quite good at that I just kind of forgotten I've forgotten to do and you can only uh, you can only do in a fight what you practice you know, get, getting that muscle memory in the gym day in, day out. So we, we do, we've gone over a lot of uh, technical things with footwork, foot positioning, you know, head, head movement, punching and moving, lots of different stuff that, you know, um, some new stuff, uh, some stuff I've already know, but just mm-hmm. sort of revamping. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to the fight and people seeing the stark contrast between the version of myself last year to this year. It's interesting you say that when you are such an experienced fighter mm-hmm. as well, that that you've, as you, your trainer said, yeah. he's bringing all your files together, one yeah. document. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's right. But with fighters like yourself, and, and you look at other heavyweights, like a, a Deontay Wilder with mm-hmm. an amateur pedigree, it does yeah. seem that some fighters forget a lot of the qualities that they had. Yeah, you do. It's, just, it's, the, it's sometimes what gets a fighter just to, to these big mega fights. Um, and once you're in these big mega fights, you're looking to put on a good show you're looking for the knockout you want a spectacular knockout but to get that spectacular knockout you don't try to knock them out you have to do you have to set them up with a jab you have to faint you have to move you have to set traps and sometimes you can get you can get hyped up so much you're just looking for the spectacular knockout and forgetting how to set that knockout up and I I 100% felt guilty of that in my last fight as I was literally going for the knockout with every punch. No, I've no, deep in my heart, I knew I shouldn't have been doing it. I thought, nah, I could still do it anyway. And it didn't work out that way. So this time around, you're going to see a very, a very, very different, um, different, different version of me. Was there an element of doubt in your mind, though, about you, 
the physical shape you were in, your body hanging out. No. Because the, the way you went out, as you say. I, yeah, I, I had no doubt, no matter, I thought to myself, no matter what happens to me, in 12 rounds of boxing, I'll knock out Tony Bellew at some stage, no matter what, no matter how bad I fight, no matter how bad my timing is. You know, my, in the first round, it was horrendous. I was missing aimlessly, getting countered. Second round, I got better. And as the, as the fight wore on, I started getting better. You know, on all of the um, scorecards, all three judges had me losing the first round, winning round two, three, four, and five. Then we and, know what happened. And then in round six, obviously, I lost the, the remaining rounds from there. But up until that, I was, I was warming into the fight and I was kind of getting my rhythm. Um, but, you know, everything, I said everything else was the reason. And it, I, I didn't have the right mindset, you know. And um, I deserve to lose that fight. So will you knock Tony Bellew out this time? I, I, I believe so. I believe with, with the stuff that I've been doing, he'll need to be superhuman not to get knocked out. He'll need to do something so, mu- so much far superior to what he did in the first fight. The, the version of Tony Bellew who beat me last time out will ne- no way hear the final bell. So that's why he, him himself, he, start, he said he started his, his dieting earlier. You know, he can't come in in the same shape he did then. He needs to be lighter, leaner, faster, stronger. So um, for him just to maybe go part into the second half of the fight, he needs to bring a lot more to the table, and as do I. So I think we both realised that what we brought, brought to the table first time round um, wasn't our, our very best, you know, so this time around, I, I anticipated a much better fight, a faster pace, uh, more exciting, more punches, more excitement, and you know that's what that's what boxing's all about. He feels that you still don't really rate him. That's certainly a, in, that, in what, that in certainly what seems to be his his mantra that you know you you, uh, you always will feel that you're a superior I fighter do. to, yeah, to I Tony, do. but no I matter do. what happened, yeah, one hundred percent, he's right. I do feel I do as uh, I took plenty of his punches in that fight and I didn't, at no stage was my legs gone I've been hit by um, lots of fighters and been knocked down legitimately knocked down hurt I know when I've been hurt I know when a puncher can really do damage at no stage in that fight in the 11 rounds that was there did I feel that oh my legs are gone from his punch power um, I knew that before the fight and what I, what I didn't um, what I did underrate is his Sort of stability and his uh, slipperiness. He was very, um, very. He was much better defensively than I thought going into the first fight. You know, he was very cagey. You know, he had a nice little shoulder roll. He was doing some real clever things. When I was coming at him for all stupid punches, he did what any uh, world class boxer will do and negated my sort of crude attacks. And um, credit to him, I, I underestimated his craftiness. You know, he's been around in the game many years, like myself. So, you know, maybe it was a, it was a foolish move of me not expecting him to be able to do that. And um, like I said, you, you live and learn. But now I know what he brings to the table. I'm just expecting to be even better than he was last time. And I'm, 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 I'm anticipating a very, very exciting fight from the very first bell. You've mentioned how healthy you're feeling now um, and how fast. And I think, you, I think you said the word light. Yeah, I feel, no, yeah, so I feel, yeah, yeah. Much, are you going to come in significantly? I, 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 one thing I haven't done is focused on being lighter. You know, I wanted to be more athletic. If, if, me be, if I'm more athletic, if my endurance is better and my speed is better with me being heavier than I was last time, then I'll be heavier. You know, so I've just made sure that my training is, uh, I'm, I'm having plenty of calories, I'm recovering, I'm not cutting weight, if you will. Um, and what I'll be will be, I'm, I'm already lighter than I was for the first fight. Um, I, I anticipate as this month draws on close to the fight with the intensity increasing 
that I'll drop a few pounds here and there, but I don't have an optimal weight. You know, people keep saying if I come in at 96, 97 kilos, like I did do 10 years ago, then you know, that's a perfect weight. But, you know, people's bodies change over, over the years, and I'm sure everybody wants to weigh what they weighed 10 years ago, but, um, you know, the human body doesn't work like that. But I'll, I'll come in as light as... Um, I won't be having. I won't ha- be carrying the unnecessary dead dead weight that I came in last time. I was carrying some body fat unnecessarily, and um, so that will be gone. So we'll strip away the body fat, and I'd have probably been three or four, maybe five kilos lighter than I was on fight night. So, in your mind, obviously, it's clear what happens on fight night. You have your hand raised at the end, however yeah. that may be. You feel you'll knock him out. That's what the plan? <laughs> mm-hmm. What is the plan then the after plan, that? Because there's, you, no, there's no plan right now. There's no plan after that. If it depend, it's dependent on the performance. If uh, the the performance is in any way, shape, or form similar to the first, then I'd say that I'd hang up the gloves and say that's thank you very much. I've gone out on a win, and uh, find something else to do. Um, but if the performance, if I if I mag- if I mysteriously somehow turn back the, the hands of time and I look like I looked seven, eight, nine years ago, then okay, then the heavyweight division can start looking interesting. Then, and it does look interesting, doesn't it's it? Great, it's as good as I've I can, I've ever seen it. And you know, you are seasoned, if you like, a veteran seasoned. of the game, a so, seasoned veteran. I like that. Yeah. yeah. But there are, there yeah. are some young bucks knocking about that, that are doing great things in the division. Amazing. As well. They're doing not something. just Josh, obviously. Mm. There's the, the, the rung below, if you like, yeah. the Dillian Whites of this world. Yeah. But then, even below that, younger guys like Dubois and Nathan yeah. Gorman and, and yeah. all sorts of talent coming. It's through. a it's a healthy heavyweight division. And obviously, Joe Big Joe Joyce is mm. is right in there in the mix. Yeah. And uh, it's, as, it's as good as a time as, as any in the heavyweight division. You know, as you said, you've got the, the, the top ladder with um, Joshua and Wilder. Then you've got the step below with uh, the likes of Dylan, Dylan White, you know, put, put on a great performance last time out um, against Lucas Brown, knocking him spark out, you know, putting on a real world-class performance. And then, as you said, you've got the, 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 the more domestic, domestic yeah. fighters. And it's, it's, it's healthy. It's, you know, you've got good, young, hungry fighters, you know, willing to fight each other. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good time to be in the heavyweight division. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I can't think one day past Bellew because I did that in the past. You know, I already had other stuff lined up after Bellew first time around and it, it, it completely actually um, went pear-shaped. So I need to just keep 100% focus on uh, not only winning the fight, but winning in spectacular fashion. Just a few weeks to go now as well. It's going to be live on Talk Sport, but there was yeah. there was an interesting build-up, you could say, to the very first fight. <laughs> great, it was a great, it was, a, it was great. Whichever, it was entertaining. Mm. It was entertaining to say the least. Um, there was a lot of um, a lot of choice words uh, chucked around, and uh, this time round, um, I don't think either of us need to really go there as first time. You round. will though, won't you? Surely the pair. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think first time round, nobody gave him a chance. Um, the, when the first fight was first announced, people weren't really sure about it. You know, David Hay, heavyweight, knocks everybody out fighting a cruiserweight. He's been knocked out at light heavyweight. You know, it's probably going to be one round, two round job. So nobody believed it would be an entertaining fight. But what they did do is get to see two people who really disliked each other. And you could see from the press conferences, the slapping and punching and the, the bad words back and forth. It was people tuned in to watch two people who didn't like each other over a competitive boxing match. This time round, they got a competitive boxing match last time out and they really enjoyed it. And the people who turned up just to see a grudge match got a great boxing match with great ups, spills and you know, ups and downs. And 
it was a real um, engaging boxing match. So the people who may not have tuned in last time will be tuning in this time because they missed out last time. And for instance, the tickets went way better this time than they did the first time, as they that people know they, they they're in for a great night of boxing. And it's going to be more of a pure boxing match, you obviously believe, yeah. anyway. Yeah, for sure. You know, last time round it was um, it like it looked like I looked like an, a 15 year old amateur. You know, in a in a in a three round boxing match, just swinging away like an idiot. And um, this time round, you're going to see some finesse. You're going to see some skills. You're going to see what got me to become the heavyweight champion of the world. And just final point up, just about your preparations mm. in sparring and things like that. I mean, how, are, you, are you doing more sparring than you used to do back in the day? Mm. Less? Are you no, trying I'm to probably, look after? I'm probably doing a little bit less. Doing a little bit less sparring. The last camp, I did a lot more sparring. This time around, my timings, uh, that was to get my timing. I needed a lot more rounds first time around to implement the things that um, Ishmael Salas was trying to drill into me. It's one thing doing it on the bag or doing it on the, the, the mitts, but it's another thing doing it when you've got a, another fighter in front of you. Um, but I've got it now, so he's not that interested in doing, you know, I was doing like 10 rounds, 12 rounds on a regular basis, but now it's all locked in. I can do what I, I can do, what he wants me to do. So now he's focusing more on sort of speed and working on new punches. I don't need to do as much as I did for the, uh, the aborted last fight in um, the end of last year. So still sparring probably three times a week. Um, and Malik Scott's one of them? Yeah, Malik Scott, yeah. He's, he's around there somewhere. Yeah, we did some, some good rounds earlier on. You know, he's a, he's a heavy, he's not a massive, you know, he's 125, 125 kilos, so he's quite big. Um, but he's got a good jab and, you know, he's, he, he's worked in camps and sparred with the likes of Deontay Wilder and some of the biggest uh, names in the heavyweight division and um, he brings a lot of experience and you know he, wor- he works well in sparring as well so he gives as much as he gets and really enjoying it and you letting your hands go it must hands, give you a lot of yeah, confidence yeah you're letting my hands go you know particularly my, my left hand you know left you know because you know a lot of people were are worried after they hear you know, the left hands had an operation or is it ever going to be the same and it feels better than it's ever been I'm landing landing quicker and more uh, more often than I did do prior to having the surgery, so everything, everything, and everything for a reason. You'll see, you'll see an exciting, um, fully functional haymaker on May fifth. All the action live on Talksport. Myself and the bomber Tony Bellew go toe to toe. Do not miss it.